You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Everybody, welcome to Kensington Church. You go ahead, take a seat. Great way to start the day running into the light as we uh, run through kind of a cloudier morning here in June. My name is Ryan Morrill, part of our staff team here, and also working with our kids and families as well. Uh, we just want to celebrate something that happened yesterday morning. It's our annual F- Hope Water Project 5K run. 
and it took place down at Troy campus. We had nearly 200 participants running in addition to like 40 or 50 younger kids that did the fun run and a bunch of volunteers as well. Uh, throughout the experience and all the fundraising, they were able to raise enough to do a brand new water well for the Pocot in Africa. So that's worth celebrating, which is great news. And a, just a great tradition down there as well. We hope you can be a part of that whenever there's a run, whether it's the long ones or the short ones, hope you can join in with that. Great news is, is yes, it brings clean water. It brings a change of life uh, for people, not only in health, but in how they use their time, not having to walk miles and miles and miles to get water. It's right there for them. And most importantly, it shines the light of Christ and love into the community as well. So thank you for being a part of that uh, this weekend, uh, if you were, and uh, we hope you can join us in the future. One of the reasons I'm up here today is I obviously work with the kids quite a bit. And uh, just to celebrate, who has had crumble cookie in this room before? Raise your hand. All of the teenagers that are here probably have. The adults, you know, this is a very good thing. It's a wonderful thing. And what we're doing today for our volunteers back in the kids area, each volunteer is getting a crumble cookie with a card that said we, would, we will crumble without you, right? Just because they've given so much to us and our kids throughout the year. And I'm here this morning to tell all of you that as we go into summer, um, we might very well crumble without you uh, because we need great people to come and join us even this summer. Our volunteers who serve 30 and 40 plus weeks a year um, obviously take times during the summer where they're gone, and yet we need to continue to run a great kids program with all the kids that come back into our area. So today as you came into the room, you got a card. We hope you take this card and you fill it out and you put your name on it and say, you know what, I'd like to have an impact on kids' lives. We're not asking for a kidney, we're just asking for your name and your phone number, and we would love to get in touch with you to serve back in our area to come and help us maybe one or two times this summer. And if it's something you really like, then maybe we can talk about a further commitment, maybe something you'd wanna do more into the fall as well. And it's not just about filling a spot, but it's about impact as well. In fact, you can see on my shirt right here, um, our theme for this next year for our staff and for our volunteers is Be Human. And uh, so much that has happened in the last couple years has been tough on kids. It's been tough on everybody, but it's been especially tough on kids. Uh, anxiety, depression, fear, uh, loneliness are at an all-time high. Four out of five parents are concerned with the mental welfare of their children. And so as these kids go into the weekend, as they come into our area on Sunday morning, we have a chance to show them very, something very special, to show them the wonderful part of being human. In fact, if you look at the back side of the shirt, you can see it. We as humans can be kind, be empathetic, be courageous, and be generous. And we're saying to you, you have the chance with kids to be kind, to be empathetic, to show them courage, and to show them generosity in your time as well. So we hope you join us in this. We hope you fill this out. You can turn it in to the uh, uh, giving areas. They have little um, baskets in the back that you can turn into. You can also come out and uh, give it to us at the back of the desk. We may have some extra crumble cookies for you as well um, if they're still left over. So we'd love to give that to you. Final thing before I head on out of here and we start the day is if you like to have some fun and you have kids or even if you have older kids, we are going mini golfing next Sunday right up the road from here at Willow Creek Golf Course. I think it starts at one o'clock after service. So when you go to church next week, think about going mini golfing with us afterwards. We have information there. You can sign up online. We even have a discounted price, so you don't have to pay the full price over there. And uh, we hope you join us. It's gonna be great. So today, as we jump into the service, we start a brand new series called Defining Moments. 
And uh, it's going to be really great. Sam Anderson is going to be here to give that message as well. Before you, we get into that, though, what we'd like you to do is stand up. You got a name tag, hopefully, today. You saw that. It's a name tag Sunday. I've got mine on. You had to pick boating or biking. Who wrote boating on their name tag, by the way? Yes, very good. Who wrote biking on theirs? You land lovers, you. That's awesome. I wrote boating because it's a novelty for me. I don't get to go on a boat very much. I'm kind of like that dog that sticks its head out of the window when they're, uh, you know, in a car and they're just so overjoyed to be there. That's me in a boat because it's such a special treat. So stand up, share boating or biking, and uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the service. Thanks so much. Good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, man, that, hey, that's, that's pretty cool, all the things happening in the kids' ministry here at Kensington, man. It is such a joy to be a part of all those things. And I love Ryan encouraging uh, people to jump in because the reality is, you know, how many of you guys serve around here? Let me see. How many of you guys serve? Actually, let's do this. Let's take a second. I think this will be cool. Anyone who serves on a serve team, go ahead and just stand up really quick. Any serve team, kids serve team, global, uh, usher, greeter, production, all, go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up, let me see. Look at these folks. These are the people that make this place happen. All right, stay standing real quick, stay standing, stay standing. If you serve on more, let's see, stay standing if you serve on more than one serve team. Let me see, let me see. Okay, all right, see, look, we got some superstars here. Stay standing, yeah, stay standing if you serve on more than two serve teams. Let's see, where are we at? Where are we at? Right here. Okay, superstar volunteer over here. My man, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Listen, that's such a beautiful thing. And here's the deal. We love for people to come and serve, and it's such a powerful thing. And you think when you're coming to serve, you're serving others. But when you get into it, and the people that were just standing can attest, it feeds your soul. It really does. When you're serving others, you feel like you're serving them and helping them, but really it helps you and you grow and you learn in the process. And so it's just this beautiful thing, man. We're designed to love others and to serve others. And so when we're doing that, we're operating in the full capacity in which God has designed us. And so it's this really beautiful thing. How many of you guys are going to mini golf next week? Huh? Yes. I'm pu- I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. Me and my kids will be there next Sunday after service. Make sure you guys join us for that. Now, today is, um, we're launching a brand new series that we're calling Defining Moments. And we're gonna look at some different stories from different staff members around Kensington and take nuggets from their story and apply it to our lives. And so today we're uh, going to have an insight into the story of Adam Karshner, who is the lead pastor at our Clinton Township campus. And we're gonna discuss the power of words. And so like I mentioned in our Facebook group yesterday, um, we're gonna be camping in James chapter three today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get there and get prepared. But first, check out this video of Adam's story. Why do words have such power? Why do spoken words penetrate straight to the heart? The spoken word can bring life. In the very beginning, God spoke all creation into existence. 
but words can also bring death. Hurtful words tend to linger, weighing us down and skewing our view of self and the world. Let's consider how to give and receive words. So my family and I were, uh, we were headed on vacation to a spot that was pretty familiar to me. Um, it was just a lake in upstate New York, a real place of joy um, for me and my family. And we were just so excited. Um, we're racing in. I'm probably 10, 11 years old, carrying bags, quickly setting them aside. And I remember before I went back out to get some more things, I just took my shirt off because we were at the lake and we were going to be swimming and spending time in the water and, and just being outside. And I ran back out and I grabbed another bag. And, and as I came in, I remember my grandma came out. It was the first time we saw her. And we loved our grandma. We thought she was awesome as a kid. She always treated us so well. And I remember what she said to me, and it wasn't these exact words, uh, but it was along the lines of, of, oh my goodness, Adam, you're so thin. Um, your parents need to feed you more. And she didn't say it in a mean way. There wasn't like a sarcastic tone. I remember there was love, even an affection for her grandson in her voice. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. And we just kept moving on in the time. It was interesting, though, in that moment, my dad was right there. And he realized the potential <laughs> for what that comment could do, I think, to his son and his self-esteem. So as soon as my grandma said it, he, he very quickly interjected. And he said, you know, don't talk to him like that. And uh, it's interesting what he knew that I could, that comment could do to my self-esteem. And he was right there to correct it. Um, but that comment was the beginning of a seed that was planted that would stick for me for many years and have a pretty deep, deep impact on me and even still does today. I remember I got into high school and I was so concerned with the way people would look at me and what they would think of me and I'd want them to, to, to like me or to love me or any of those different elements. So... I started to realize I couldn't control my height and I really couldn't control my size, but I could control like what I would wear. So I put some time into, you know, the way I dressed and I always dressed well and made sure things matched and went and shoes and hair and the whole thing. So when I got to college, um, I kind of even went a step further with this. Somebody introduced me to lifting weights, and I started to realize that there was another element that I could control on my own. And I wouldn't say that I got obsessed, but I got pretty into it, especially seeing I could change that skinny thinness of who I was. And, I, you know, over the course of four years, I probably gained 30 to 35 pounds, and there was almost an addictiveness to it because... <laughs> people were receptive I guess in some way I wanted them to be good with me I wanted people to love me and so if this was one way I could make that happen um, there was something I was gonna do but as I've done some work I realized there were some deep-seated hurts feelings that just had been reinforced, right, by what other people had said about me, about words that were spoken over me.
So words can be incredibly powerful. They can bring life. They can be uplifting and bring life, or they can bring death. They can be incredibly discouraging. I mean, something as innocent and simple as, well, grandson, you know, you need to eat something. You need to put on a little bit more weight. You're a little bit too skinny. Something like that can last an entire lifetime. I mean, my grandma said that to me a whole bunch as a kid. I listened to her directions, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, those are, those are things. Those, words are powerful. You know, I, um, I coach my kids' sports. I got a whole bunch of kids, and uh, they play a bunch of different sports in elementary school, basketball, football, baseball, uh, not baseball, but uh, soccer. So I, I found myself coaching soccer uh, this past season. It ended like last week. And uh, there's different dads that coach, sometimes students coach. Uh, we were coaching kindergarten, first, and second graders. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about a party, coaching kindergarten, first, and second graders. Essentially, the ball stays in the middle of the field, and the kids just kind of huddle around it, right? And uh, they, at some point, they realize, oh, I can pretend like I'm trying to kick the ball, and I can kick someone's legs. And so... People start kicking legs. People get excited when they realize that, but then they get nervous because they realize other kids can kick my legs too. And so there's this, this kind of herd in the middle that go back and forth, back and forth. And then every once in a while, someone accidentally kicks the ball. And when they do, it flies. And it heads towards the goal. And the goalie is picking dandelions. And everyone's yelling, get up, get up. And they're like, huh, as the ball rolls into the net. So ultimately, there is a winner in these games. It's pretty pretty insane, pretty crazy. So I'm coaching these uh, kindergarten first and second graders, and there's another kid coaching who is a seventh grader. His name is Trey, and he's a soccer superstar, man. He, he plays middle school soccer, does a great job with it, really into soccer. And so he thinks, oh, I'll coach little kids at soccer. It'll be great. Um, so what he didn't realize is that coaching kindergartners first and second graders is not really coaching soccer. It's more like herding cats. And so he gets out there, and we're talking, and we're joking around, you know, we're, we're having fun, and and uh, I, I mentioned in briefly, I'm like, hey, man, how's your team doing? Are you guys winning? Because, I mean, obviously my team was winning because I'm the superior kindergarten, first and second grade coach. Um, and I said, hey, man, how, how's your team doing? And he's like, man, we haven't won a game yet. And so just joking around. Now, this is, this is a judgment-free zone, right? Can I get a little affirmation that this is a judgment-free zone? Being a little vulnerable here, okay? This is terrible. I'm talking smack to a seventh grader in the parking lot of a Christian school, and I'm about to share it in public. And so I'm talking to Trey, and I'm like, hey, Trey, how's your team doing, man? You guys winning? He's like, man, we haven't won a single game. And so I say to him, just joking around, in passing, not meaning anything terrible. I say, well, you know, a team's record is a direct reflection of the coach. <laughs> I didn't think about it again. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, just joking with a seventh grader, hanging out. Well, Trey's mom is friends with my wife, and they were on a field trip. Late no, it's good. I hear you guys chuckling. Trey's mom is friends with my wife, and uh, they were on a field trip later in the week, and she expressed, little did I know, that after I made that comment to Trey, just joking around, he got in the car and cried all the way home, just devastated, thinking that he was a total failure, that he was the worst coach ever. This is his first coaching experience ever. Seventh grader, loves soccer, passionate about soccer, soccer referee in the summers. And here's this dad that comes along, and says, dude, you're a terrible coach. Cries all the way home, tells his mom he never wants to coach again. Totally broken. 
devastated, doesn't even want to come back the next game, just done with it. I had no idea. Guys, words are powerful. They can build you up or they can tear you down. Luckily, Trey's mom communicated that to my wife, who then told me, and my eyes filled with tears, and I felt like the worst human being ever to walk planet Earth. But I was able to go to Trey a few days later and encourage him and talk to him and say, dude, it's like herding cats. It's, I was, it was a joke. You're a great coach. Your job right now is to love these kids and make these kids love soccer, and you're killing it at that. You're doing an amazing job. But what if I didn't have that opportunity to do that, you know? What if I didn't have the opportunity to rectify that? Because oftentimes we don't. You know, many times we think about the power of words and we think about ourselves being on the receiving end of that. Yeah, someone said something that hurt me and I'm still carrying that. And not to discount that at all, but I think sometimes we might need to pause and think, man, how often have I been on the delivery end of that? Because, I mean, I've been coaching, I, I've been coaching kids a long time. How many other trays have there been in the wake of me just joking around? You know, it's a pretty serious thing. Something that's just talking smack to a seventh grader in a parking lot turns into something much bigger because words are so, so powerful. Your tongue is so, so powerful. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to spend a few moments in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And it's this opportunity to look at what James has to say about taming the tongue. In your Bible, there'll be a little heading that says, Taming the Tongue. It's a whole section about how do, we, how do we handle this? How do we handle the words that we have that have the power and ability to give life, but also have the power and ability to mow someone down? How do we handle that? How do we approach that? And so we're going to spend a few moments doing that together. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into James. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing in this faith community. God, we pray today that as we look at this passage of scripture that's going to be a little convicting for some of us, that's going to be enlightening for some of us, illuminating for some of us, God, I pray that you would do work in all of us. I pray that you'd soften our hearts, that you'd open our minds, you'd make us receptive to exactly what you have for each and every one of us today, and that we would leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can open to James chapter 3. I'm going to start off uh, by reading verses 1 through 5. We're ultimately going to cover 1 through 12, but I'm going to break it down a little bit, and we're going to talk through this. Plain and simple, what does James have to say about the power of our words and the way that we approach all of this? So starting in verse 1, it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what they say, they are perfect. Also able to bridle their whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So James starts off saying, guys, the 
tongue is powerful. The tongue is so powerful. Your words are so powerful. He starts off saying, not many of you should become teachers. There were a lot of Jewish converts that were converting to Christianity who then wanted the status of a rabbi that was in the Judaism, but now in Christianity, they wanted the platform to speak and to teach and to lead. And James says, listen, that might not be for everybody because this is intense. Controlling the way you talk is intense. Controlling your mouth and your tongue and your words that can be life-giving or a death dealer, that is super, super important. And then he goes, if anyone doesn't struggle with this, they're perfect. In other words, everybody struggles with this. This is not something that you can ultimately master and get it right 100% of the time which that's a little liberating and freeing, if you ask me. Gives me a little bit of grace between my quarrel with the seventh grader. But he says, if anyone doesn't struggle, they're perfect. Everyone struggles with this. And then he goes on and he gives us these three examples. He says, the bit into the mouth of the horse. You know, the bit in the mouth of a horse is this little metal piece that goes in here and then it has the reins connected, typically some leather straps. And if you pull on the leather strap, the bit pulls the mouth, the mouth of the horse, the horse's head turns, and thus the whole body. You pull it on this way, the bit turns, the, mouth, the head turns, and thus the whole body. You pull back on it, pulls the head back, the whole horse stops. He says this little tiny contraption in the mouth of a horse can control this giant animal. Something so small is so powerful. And then he goes on and talks about these big ships and the small rudders. The rudder is 2% the size of the hull of the boat. Very, very small piece of this massive ship. And he says the wind goes and the sails go and all these things happen, but ultimately something so small can control something so big. The, 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 it's like the little fin on the back, you know, and it turns this way, the whole ship turns, turns that way, the whole ship turns. He says something so small is so powerful. And then he talks about a huge forest fire and how it's launched by just a spark. And this spark is so small, but can create so much damage and devastation like a huge forest fire. And so just like the bit in the, in the mouth of a horse, just like the rudder on a huge ship, just like the spark that can launch a huge forest fire, the tongue is also a small part of the body that has a great impact. A massive, massive impact. What James is saying here is that the tongue is petite yet powerful. And so he sets the stage with that. We pick up in James chapter 3 verse 6. This is where James kind of goes in. He gets a little intense here. Some of the language he uses is some very strong, somewhat abrasive language. And he says this, he says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. That's hardcore. Imagine saying that to your spouse. Your tongue is a world of unrighteousness, right? Like, whoa, man, that's heavy. The tongue is set among our members, standing, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whoa. 
James comes on full arsenal, full attack on the tongue saying, this thing is intense. He's bringing the heat. He gives us two illustrations. He says, the, the tongue is like an uncontrolled fire. And he says, the tongue is like an untamed beast. And so off rip, you hear this and you think, oh man, that's pretty discouraging. That's pretty dismal, man. That seems like it's an uphill battle. But when you look at it a little further, you think about it, it's actually pretty liberating. It's this idea that nobody can get it right 100% of the time. Nobody can tame the tongue completely. Nobody's gonna get it right every single conversation with every single person you have and every single circumstance and every season of life. You say everything right all the time. He says, we can tame all these animals and all these beasts, but no one can tame the tongue. Nobody's perfect. Everybody messes up. That means it's a process. That means it's a journey. And for me, that was liberating. It's like, awesome, that's great. That means I have the opportunity to go back to Trey and say, hey, Trey, man, I messed up. That was, that was bogus. I didn't mean what I said. I was joking, but I don't know if you received it that way. And so I'm sorry that I said that because I don't mean that at all. It's a process. It's a journey. The tongue is powerful. The tongue is perverse. It's this untamed beast inside of us, petite, yet powerful. And then James goes on in chapter three, verse nine. Again, still talking about our words, still talking about the tongue. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Man, I'm gonna read that again. Let that set in. See if that hits home for anybody, myself included. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. This is not the way it should be. Verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James talks about how powerful the tongue is. And then he talks about how perverse the tongue is, this untamed beast. And then he talks about this polluted water, how polluted the tongue can be. He goes on in verse nine, he says, he says with our tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. He states the obvious here. He states the obvious for many of us if we're being open and honest. He states the obvious so that now he can address it. He goes on in verse 10. He says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. This should not be this way. There can't be this inconsistency. It doesn't get more point blank than this. It doesn't get, he, James is shooting straight here. He's not trying to sugarcoat it or powder it up at all. He doesn't leave much room for pushback or argument. He's very direct. He says, you can't get on, essentially, you can't get on social media and bash this people group and then say, oh, praise Jesus, join me for church. He says, you can't do that. That's not the way it works. You can't gossip and spread rumors and talk bad about people Monday through Saturday, but then on Sunday, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna sing my praise and worship songs to Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not the way that this goes down. Verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh 
and salt water? Does fresh water and salt water come out from the same spring? He said, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Essentially, James is sensing some pushback on this. Oh, James, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just sideways conversations, hallway conversations. It's not, you know, it's whatever. I mean, we still love Jesus. We're still praying and we're still worshiping and we're still evangelizing and we're being good Christians, but just, you know, we like to get together on our Tuesday coffee and talk tea, right? Like, that's what we like to do. And James goes, no, 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 no. And so he names these natural elements that don't go together. He says, obviously, guys, can a fig tree bear olives? And they're like, well, no, obviously not. Can a grapevine produce figs? No, obviously not. Can a fresh spring produce salt water or a salt spring produce fresh water? Well, no, obviously not. And so then in verse 12, he drops the hammer and he says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Water. Now, this is the part that kind of rocked my world. This is the part that kind of got me going, whoa, wait a second. That's heavy because when you're talking a salt spring, essentially what James is talking about is not controlling our tongue, not controlling the words that come out of our mouth, being flippant with our words, being reckless and careless with our words, using our words for destruction to tear people down. And then when he talks about this fresh spring, he's talking about giving life. Not only giving life, he's talking about praying and singing songs of praise and adoration to God and encouraging others and positive talk from our mouth. And he says this, listen, when our mouths are a salty mess, our praise and our prayers and our compliments and our life, they become meaningless to God. It's pretty heavy, but it contaminates the whole thing. When our mouths are full of mess, and we're talking all this junk and spewing all of this destruction and hate and, and devastation and polarization and all the negativity that's coming from us. When we try to talk positive, it's all contaminated. It doesn't work that way. It's not a compartmentalization. James is saying, stop trying to compartmentalize things. You need to speak truth and speak life always, in all scenarios, in all things. See, the whole idea of James, the book of James, it's a letter that's focused around practical holiness. Essentially, it means when you follow Jesus, you should become more like Jesus. And so James gives us a ton of nuts and bolts of how to do that. And one of those things is controlling what comes out of our mouth because our mouth, our tongue is so powerful and it's so, it can be so perverse and it can be so polluted. And he says, if you want to be more like Jesus, you got to get this thing in order. You got to get this figured out. And so when I'm reading this and I hear, oh my gosh, okay, so when I'm, you know, being a jerk, if I'm, if I'm gossiping, if I'm spreading rumors, if I'm having back, back hallway conversations, I'm doing all of these things, and then I come and I begin to sing praise and adoration to God, what does that look like to God? Because if salt water and fresh water can't come from the same thing, the whole thing's contaminated, so it's like this. It's like this would be representative of the salt water, of the junk, of the lies, of the gossiping, of the um, you know, manipulation of the passive aggressiveness of the um, you know, sideways comments, whatever, right? This is the junk that can spew out of our mouths. This is the, hey, you know, your team is a direct reflection of your coach. Even though we think we're being funny and cutesy, this is representative of that. Now this is representative of speaking life, encouragement to one another, helping one another, building each other up, edifying one another. Also, this is representative of our praise and our prayers to God, our communication 
with the creator of the universe. And so you take some of this, this is our life, and you say, okay, well, I go to church on Sunday, and sometimes I, I pray, and I sing songs, and I'm nice to my mom, and I do this, and I do that. And you look at it and go, well, it's, it's still pretty contaminated, huh? And then we start spewing all the junk Monday through Saturday, and we're doing all of our things, and it begins to impact our prayer. It begins to impact the way that we deal with others. It begins to impact the way that we encourage, and we go, oh, man, okay, bummer. And then you look at both of them and say, oh, it's all contaminated. There's no good in any of this because fresh water and salt water can't come from the same source. And so I would take it as far to say that when our mouths are a salty mess, when all of this is going down, that our prayer and our praises and our encouragements, they look dirty to God. He looks at that and says, do you think I didn't just hear what you just said out in the hallway? Do you think I didn't hear you all week at work? Do you think I don't know the way you're using your words to manipulate? Do you not think that I know the way that you're using your words to spread these rumors, to gossip, to do all of these things? And then you want to come to me with your prayer and your praise and your adoration? Hey, the whole well is contaminated here. That's pretty hardcore coming from James. But again, this is practical holiness. This is an idea for us to step it up. This is the idea that as Christ followers, we are called to something more. We are called to something greater. We are called to a higher standard. Our tongues and our speech and our content creation, our content curation and our social media presence and all the things should not be instruments of inconsistency. It can't be salt water and fresh water at the same time. It's just all salt water. That's the way it comes across. That's the way it comes out. That's the way that it's received. And so, so it's important to us to be in constant pursuit of purity and holiness. That's what James is getting at here. He's saying it's important for us to guard our mouths, guard what we say and how we say it and when we say it. It's important to get that under control because it's petite yet powerful. And really, if we're trying to control our mouths, it's a little bit deeper than that. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the mouth is just an overflow of what's happening in our heart. And so when I get in this conversation with this seventh grader, and I'm making fun and passing jokes and doing these things and causing real hurt in him, not only do I have to go back and say, well, what am I saying? More importantly, I need to go back and say, now what's going on in here? that makes me think it's okay to say something like that to him? What's going on on inside of me to make what's coming out happen? That's a tough thing to do. That's a hard spot to be. But that's what James is calling us to. James is saying, if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to continue in your growth and development as a Christ follower, listen, you got to pursue this purity. you got to pursue this holiness. And I think we're doing a disservice to the conversation if we don't just take a second. I know I've leaned pretty heavy into to dealing the hurt with our mouths and using our tongues to hurt others. But there's this other side of the coin too where people have spoken hurt over us. Where we've had an experience where someone has spoken hurt to us, been very hurtful and destructive with the words that they've used towards us. And what I want to tell you this morning, and this may be the only thing you hear and that's okay, God wants to bring healing to that. God wants to bring restoration to that. It is not God's design for you to walk around with the weight of that. 
and to carry that burden of hurt that someone else potentially flippantly spoke into your life. In Psalm chapter 147, verse 3, it says, He, God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you've been on the receiving end of this toxic tongue, I want to encourage you to seek Jesus. I want to encourage you to come to him for healing. We're going to check out the part of Adam's story where he experiences that healing, and then after that, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray. We're going to give you an opportunity to seek the Lord this morning because I don't want you to leave this room carrying that bondage anymore, carrying the weight of that anymore. Just like my conversation with Trey where I was able to go back and right the wrongs, maybe you haven't been afforded that privilege and so you're still carrying that around. The false words that someone else has spoken over you and you still feel the weight of that. You still feel the burden of that. You still feel the pain and the hurt of that and you're carrying it every single day. So we're gonna have prayer partners come up during the closing song and you can pray with someone and they can pray with you and for you. And my prayer is that you will leave this morning liberated. You will leave this morning with freedom. But check out the closing of Adam's story and how he dealt with the words that were spoken over him. And I remember there was a season um, before I got into ministry that was hard. Like me and my wife went through some uh, like just challenging things, not necessarily between each other, but we had a failed adoption. Um, then my wife had a miscarriage. And I remember something inside of me wasn't right. Like, um, I know I started to get emotional and I'm a bit of an emotional person, but emotional about things that really shouldn't make you emotional or make me emotional. And I can remember always the time that I would, I think I would need to mourn these events. And the moments where I want to mourn them wasn't convenient because like my wife was around and I thought I had to be, you know, there and, and have it all together for her so she could mourn. And I, I didn't do that. So I'd hold him in and I can remember being like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be alone by myself. Like now we can mourn these losses and the time would come and I couldn't do it. It just, the emotions weren't there and I didn't understand it. And uh, so you keep fast forwarding and I jump into ministry and uh, in this big church doing different things in, in Savannah, Georgia, we were having a team meeting with our campus staff and they said, come to the team meeting prepared to share your strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, I wrote my things down and I was getting there and I get to the team meeting and we're sitting in the circle and I start to share my strengths and my weaknesses and I lose it and I'm not weeping, but my there's tears coming, like my speech is shaking in my tone and I'm like, what is wrong with me? I can't even say the things that I'm good at or the things that I'm bad at. So somebody who attended our campus, he was a deacon, his name was David. He says to me one day, hey, we've got a prayer ministry and we would just love to pray for you as a new pastor, a new leader here in our church. I was like, yeah, absolutely. We set up this time and I'm sitting in a room only one of these people really knew me. Most of the other ones, was just four or five of us, had never met me. They didn't know anything about me. But they start talking to each other, start praying for me and listening. And all of a sudden, they start taking me through these things that have happened in my past that I've never mourned or I've never even processed. But through that, 
I started to heal. And as I started to heal, I started to process and things were coming out of me. I was being released from all of the stuff that I'd just been keeping down inside. I know that it's intimidating. I know that pain is not pleasant. And I know the process isn't always fun. It can be abrasive. It can be hard. And sometimes it's difficult to let people in because we've been burned. But, uh, man, when somebody comes looking to help, let them in. The power of life and death is in our words. And if that's true, I'm going to be a guy that uses that power. Or I'm trying to be. And I don't get it right all the time. (laughs) I need to say I'm sorry frequently. But I'm going to be mindful to use the power of life. And not just do it once. But do it over and over for my kids, for my wife, for people around me, for my friends, for the people that come listen to me teach on Sundays. I want to be a person like that because I think when you look through Jesus in his ministry, yeah, there was moments where he corrected. But I think there was moments crazy frequently that he encouraged and he pressed into people in that way. And I think he did that because he wanted them to do that same thing for others.
So some of us this morning, we need to do a little introspection. Some of us this morning maybe entered in not realizing how powerful, how perverse, how polluted our tongue can be. Some of us this morning, we need to just pause and say, God, show me ways that I've messed up. God, show me ways and circumstances and relationships where I'm more prone to struggle in this. God, show me ways that I can be better. Because this is practical holiness. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so some of us in here this morning, we need to do some business with God in that way. Others of us this morning, we're still carrying that pain. We're still carrying that weight. We're still carrying that baggage that someone else placed on us. And so we want to give you the opportunity this morning before we leave the room to maybe unload some of that, to let some of that go. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful and beneficial to building others up. Some of us need to just begin to pray Ephesians 4, 29. God, make that me. Help me to embody that in my daily life. Help me to embody that in my family. Help me to embody that in my workplace. Help me to embody that on my social media. Help me to embody that in every sphere of influence that I have. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only what is beneficial and encouraging for those who hear. Maybe we need to, we need to write it on a, on a sticky note and stick it on our mirror, stick it on our rearview mirror in our car, stick it at our desk at work, stick it in our sock and underwear drawer, put it somewhere where it can be a daily reminder that our words are powerful. God, please don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is encouraging and beneficial for others to hear. We've invited the prayer team to come up to the forward for this next part of the song. If you would like prayer this morning, if you would like to bring this burden and have someone help you carry it, these are serve team members, these are volunteers who have decided, you know what, I feel called to pray. I feel called to pray with others and pray for others. And so we wanna give you the opportunity and the freedom to do that this morning. We don't wanna just leave this space and kind of leave it open. We've, we've intentionally crafted an atmosphere where you can do business with God this morning. And so if you need to do business with God and say, God, do a work in me, we invite you to do that. But if you need to do business with God and say, God, I need some healing. I need some restoration. I need some wholeness. I need some redemption. Then we have some people up here that are willing and available to pray with you. But over these next few minutes, we should all spend some time doing business with God. I invite you to stand with us as we declare this this morning.
So my hope and my prayer is that we would be a people that live out that Ephesians 4.29 perspective, right? To speak life to those around us, to speak life to everyone we encounter, to be careful of the power of our words. Listen, this is gonna be an awesome series. This is week one. We have three more weeks of this where we're gonna take people's stories and plug them into our own. As you leave today, make sure you fill out one of these jump in K-Kids cards. I'm telling you, that's the spot to be on a Sunday morning, okay? Love you guys, praying for you guys. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.